I'm Graham Mack and welcome to the Pod 20, the countdown of the most popular podcasts in the world right now. My special guest this week is Joe Yule, the host of Ibiza, the Reset Rebel. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in the UK, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself. Into the chart now, number 20, newscast from BBC Radio. One of the things they've been investigating is porn in Parliament. 19. Behind the Bastards. The worst humans in history. The latest episode is called John Wayne, a dude who sucked. 18. Sips, suds and smokes. Everything good in life is worth discussing. Wine, tea, coffee, whiskey, beer, cigars, barbecue. People whose first names start with a Q. Ex-Amish, the state of Alabama, roadkill and Canadians. The current episode is called This Tastes Like BS. 17. Distractable. Thoughtful discussions about funny, out there or otherwise interesting stories from everyday life. This week the guys discuss fears of things yet to come. 16. The Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz. Your daily dose of bullshit and propaganda from the Ascension Catholic Faith Formation. 15. Pep Talk from Simon Squibb. Business secrets from the world's top entrepreneurs. Simon, a lot of successful people started out on different paths and suddenly changed direction. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk are all university dropouts. How important is it to get off what we're told is the safe path? Well, I, I don't think enough people do that. Um, a lot of people are in jobs they don't love and they almost make excuses for it. Like, I'll do this for a few more years until I get the experience I need to do what I'm meant to be doing. Or they don't even listen to what they're meant to be doing. They just assume um, the path they're on is the right path. And, and so I think enough people don't 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 analyze actually what is it i'm meant to be doing instead of like at school you're always asked what are you going to do when you grow up i think that's the wrong question and that's why i think education is broken i think the question that should be asked is what problem would you like to solve when you grow up what problem would you like to be involved in fixing and and that's much more exciting and more motivating and 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 i think more long-term rewarding um, I mean, the other part of it is I did, I did a lot of research on like, you know, people when they get older, the, the regrets that they have. And most of the time, people only regret what they didn't do. So if you're sitting on a good idea or you feel a certain urge to do something and then you don't do it, those are where, those are the times in life later in life you have regret that you didn't try it. I had never met anybody in my research who basically said, oh, I did this thing and, and I regret it, you know, whatever it was. So yeah. the, only, the, only, the only regrets that people would highlight would be ones where they hadn't done something. So they hadn't asked that person um, that they loved uh, to marry them, for example, or they, they hadn't gone and started that business idea that they had um, and they wish they'd just tried it. That, that, that those, those, um, those are the regrets that people tend to tend to have the things they don't do the things that people had actually done were more like stories i think about myself i've been to hong kong i've lived in shanghai and beijing and bali and you know every time i moved to these different locations i had fear and almost didn't do it but because i did do it they're stories they didn't always work out financially they didn't always work out how i pictured it but in the end i'm glad i did it because i had an idea and i did it 
And and I think that's that's the human experience we all need to keep reminding ourselves to have. You mentioned Hong Kong there. Now, when you got to Hong Kong, you hit the deck running. Was that because you had to once again? You had to, you had to swim yeah. or drown. Yeah, well, Hong Kong's second most expensive city in the world to live. So there really isn't much time to sit around pondering what should I do, and I think that's also a good thing. Sometimes you just have to get on with it. I think sometimes when people have too much choice, they don't make any choice at all. So yeah. when I when I went to Hong Kong, um, very expensive place, and and to make uh, life there. Uh, survivable, I had to build a business again. Had to start something, and uh, and best it was it was just an amazing experience as you go into Hong Kong in particular. Just because, I mean, for anyone listening that's you know grown up in England, we 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 sometimes think that England is the be all and end all. You go to another place and you realise just how slow England can be sometimes, and that's what I realised when I went to Hong Kong. Things got done in a day that I think would take six months to a year in England, and decisions were made quickly. Um, age was not an issue. If you had the ability in Hong Kong, then you could make it happen. It's nothing to do with age. I find England does have an age restriction on you can't be a you know a CEO of a company or, or senior management until you're in your late thirties. That type of mindset, and and that wasn't the case in in Hong Kong. At, at 24 years old, I was uh, building my own agency called Fluid, helping brands like CNN launch in Japan. And um, and I feel like that was all about your ability as opposed to your age. And that's what a market like Hong Kong gave me. Well, it's a great podcast. It's called Pep Talk at number 15 this week on the pod 20. 14, the Jordan B. Peterson podcast, enlightening discourse that will change the way you think. 13, On Purpose with Jay Shetty, fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. 12, The Backstory with Andrew Neal a series of in-depth conversations from Britain's most forensic interviewer. Andrew's latest guest is the former CIA director, General David Petraeus. They talk about Ukraine, America's role in the world, and its politics at home. 11. Old Gits and Hits with John, David and Chris. Guys, what podcasts inspire you? I quite like a bit of Louis Theroux. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good. So I mean, long I, form interviews. Yeah. The long form interviews. I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I, and, and I love his persona. I love the way he questions and, and finds things out by just asking what seems to be quite a simple question, but it, it, he's able to tease all that information out of people, which perhaps, you know, you wouldn't even bring yourself to speak with in most cases. But yeah, no, I enjoy Louis Theroux as a podcast. David, what's yours? Well, for me, you see, I, I listen. I, we said about this earlier today. I like to listen to the old gits because <laughs> you can't not, pick not, your not, own. Not, not just, I've got to tell you why. I've got to give you the reasoning why. The reason why is because I never know what we get up to when we're, we're in the studio recording it. So when I listen back to it, I go, did we actually say that? Did we do that? And so it's educational because you have to remember, we are genuine old gits. Right, and the, the memory goes, doesn't it? And so, from that point, it's a bit. To be honest, I, I I will always listen to what is a current, what is a recommended podcast. So I, you know, when you you, you pop up and look to see what you're going to play, when it comes up is this week's star podcast. I'll listen to that. So I listen to anything, anything okay. at all. Chris, I listen to. I'll tell you what I listen to. Uh, it's 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 whatever it might be for, from whoever's done it. But I I quite like historical ones. 
um, especially in my home city, because when I went to school as a, as a young kid, six, seven, eight years of age, my headmaster in my school then was an expert on old Bristol. And at least once a week, we go catch the bus as a as a class we catch a bus and we go into bristol city center and they give us a tour around certain places and of course i was so young then it didn't it didn't actually stick in with me and there's so much history in not only in in our own city but in other cities as well so it's not specific podcasts from specific people but it's on a subject and i like the historical and when people tell you about the buildings in certain cities especially especially in bristol thing i, I love old bristol because it's it's such a sea place and i know it's got a bad history and i know we you know where it's come from we, we, we've all gone through you know the, the, the edward colston thing you know i i, I walked past over the weekend i was walking along the city docks and walked past the spot where the statue of edward colston was thrown into the docks itself it's now in a museum just on the on the side of the docks now but there's other places you know that they've got the the land dogger trout pl- pub where uh you know the, the the likes of uh long john silver you know that treasure island was actually devised over over a pint you know 500 years ago it's that sort of stuff and it's very historical and i like that sort of thing i like to find out stuff that i should have listened to when i was very young you know about 40 or 50 years ago but i'm just reliving my childhood i think on those okay finally from each of you or or if one of you wants to be a spokesman i don't care what is next for old gits and hits Uh, a podcast that earns us money all right. Well, think about the Patreon. <laughs> I know a lot of people who are making money from podcasts through through Patreon. There's uh, Saruti was her name. I forget the name of the podcast. And she lives not far from me. She lives at Letchworth. And she packed in a job because her and her friend do a, a true crime podcast. And then, of course, there's Bean, who you may have heard on podcast radio. Bean was one half of Kevin and Bean, the breakfast yeah. show in Los Angeles for over 20 years on the world famous K-Rock and he now does a podcast with Ali, who used to be on the show. She's in Los Angeles. He's in London. And they they do really well out of Patreon. So Patreon mm-hmm. might be something worth having a look at. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. The other thing we talked about on the show this week as well is TikTok. And we were talking about a 17-year-old who's now got themselves a penthouse apartment in London. So uh, we, 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 need to, we need to expand maybe onto TikTok and, and do something yeah. or other because we, we all fancy penthouse suites now in London. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we, did, we did elaborate on that and said, as old gets, we probably end up with a caravan. <laughs> well, you got to end somewhere. Old Gits and Hits is at number 11 this week on the pod 20. At 10, Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. 9. Hidden Brain. Shankar Vedantam uses science and storytelling to reveal the unconscious patterns that drive human behaviour. 8. The Jordan Harbinger Show. In-depth conversations with people at the top of their game. Number 7. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. After 25 years at the late-night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So he started a podcast to fix that. 6. Abitha, Reset Rebel, hosted by Joe Yule. Joe, you started out as a broadcast journalist. How did you get into that game? Um, I did a degree in journalism, um, studied and did... um yeah, did a little bit of time over at CNN during my three-year degree. I took a, took a bit of time over there to write my dissertation, actually, um, on travel journalists around the world. And I was very, very lucky to get like a like a scholarship and 
I think once you've seen the inside of like a proper, you know, this this newsroom was like the size of a shopping mall. It was just like, I'd never, when I walked through those doors, I'll never forget that feeling. It was the most exciting moment of my whole life. I was only probably 20. Um, and I think once you've worked in a newsroom like that, you just, yeah, there's no going back from that. And as soon as I um, even entered my third year of uni, I was applying for jobs and I got a job before I'd even left at CNN and I went straight to work at the London Bureau. And it wasn't really my dream job because it was actually on a financial um, business news program called World Business This Morning with Becky Anderson. And that's when I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning. My taxi would come at 10 to five and I, you know, used to be in a permanent state of anxiety and stress of missing that alarm. And, you know, I only stayed there for about two years doing that job, but it gave me a great, you know, um, footstep and and platform to to take the next step and to go and work for the BBC. And and I kind of stayed there really for like the next sort of 10, 10 or more years. And I was just really, really lucky, but I was probably the most ambitious driven person. I was absolutely hell bent on becoming a foreign correspondent. And that was my dream really since I was about six or seven when I saw Kate Ad on the TV, who um, I think has got an amazing podcast now also called From um, the Foreign Correspondent. And I think, you know, she's an inspiration and she's, you know, anyone that's got the balls to put themselves on the front line like that and and take one for the team potentially further down the line to share that story, I think is, is pretty impressive, really, because it's not something I realized that I actually wanted to do when push came to shove. Being in London during the the tube bombings, my boss was like forcing me out the door to go and to cover those stories. And, you know, that was not a, a place I wanted to be, I realized when I arrived there and saw, you know, a lot of very scary things happening. And um, it's kind of intriguing, you know, you have to be careful what you wish for, because I think you want to do something and you want to work in a certain career all your life. And then you get there and actually you realize that that's not actually what you wanted after all. Um, that's a very long-winded way of answering your question. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It is very funny because there are a lot of other things. You know, you you know what you see on the screen and everything. When you work out, you know how they make the sausage. It's not necessarily as appetizing <laughs> as as the the sausage that's served up to you, is it? Yeah. So, what's the main difference for you then? Now you do the the podcast between podcasting and the broadcasting that you grew up with or grew up on. I think we come back to the title of the podcast again. It's um, it's the rebellion and it's the feeling of freedom and it's the absolute um, piracy, I think, of being able to do and say. It's like punk broadcasting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you know, I remember when I worked at Virgin Radio, I used to have to make one news bulletin of two or so minutes for the FM and one for the national. And they both had to be exactly the same length. And if I was even a second out on either one, I would crash the whole network, which I'm, you can, you know, you can be assured that happened more than once. And I was not popular. I used to have the fear of God put into me. And the reason for that was that Ofcom um, used to force us to have a certain amount of local content in the news bulletin for FM. And it was like, what a ridiculous concept that you get a license awarded as a radio station based upon a certain amount of that speech programming being about local content. And I understand the reasons why, but 
I don't. I don't understand the reasons why. I do not understand Ofcom. I think it's a ridiculous, <laughs> ludicrous organisation. I mean, I've had dealings with them. I've had upheld complaints. I've never been fined, but I, I just the, the times I've dealt with them have just been mind blowing. They've been so spectacularly out of touch with how it actually works and how things go on. And the conversations I've had with members from Ofcom, and I'm like, wow, you're regulating this industry. What the hell? I honestly, I mean, I started on radio in Australia and I came to Britain and it was the radio authority then and I used to think that this radio authority this is not there to help at all it is there to hold back commercial so it's helping the BBC that's what I thought it was for honestly and some of the rules like you've got a license a commercial license to make money as if you're going to put something on the air that would that would affect you making money but they're telling you what to put on the air for what? Who cares if you don't play enough 80s music because you promised to? What's that all about? I'm with you on that. Yeah. And it is. And I know Ofcom are trying to get their hands on podcasting and it'll never happen. Podcasting will last longer than Ofcom, you know, and so will all online broadcasting. Oh, no, they don't get me started on Ofcom. Absolutely ridiculous organization. <laughs> I'll say it again. They're a ridiculous organization. And I don't understand why they need that big expensive building on the Thames there when they could all work from home. I don't I don't know what they're all doing in there. I mean, I last radio station I worked at in London, I got so sick of them when somebody complained about something on the air of having to write this stupid report and send them the audio of the thing for one complaint. Hang on, if you get a hundred complaints, okay. For one? Oh, go away. That person's crazy. I've never met. I've never complained about anything I've heard broadcast. I don't know anyone that's ever complained about something that's been broadcast. So I have to come to the conclusion that the only people that complain about something that's been broadcast have no friends. And why are we taking any notice of those people, if, especially if there's only one of them? So in the end, what I used to do was I used to get the audio that with the offending audio. I used to put it on a stick and I used to walk to Ofcom because it was only up the road from us. We were at South Bank and they're on that Southwark Bridge, I think, is the corner of, of where Ofcom's building is. And I used to go in the building and I used to say, I'm the programme director from Radio and I've got the audio that they wanted to hear. And they go, OK, we'll pass it on. No, 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 no. You make them come down here and I'll give it to them. And I'd look them in the eye and I'd give it to them. And, and not once after that did any of them go any further, any of the complaints. Because I don't know, it's because they thought we don't want him around here again. I don't know. But they're just, they, I just got so fed up with having to go through this, this nonsense. I mean, it is nonsense. Oh, it's just, bad yeah. as a presenter, but I think as a, as a news you know, as a journalist and a newsreader to have to have. I mean, I I even worked, you know, before uh, some of the BBC stuff at some very local schmokel stations. And again, it was, you know, trying to scrabble around to find enough local news stories and you'd end up including things about the local fate or, you know, some really ridiculous rubbish that really no one wants to hear, but it just had to have that, you know, element of local... That quota of, yeah. I found that really irritating. That's the, the biggest thing that I used to experience that I found very frustrating. So, well, actually, why do I have to obey all the rules and why do I have to talk about certain things and, and why can't I say certain words? And I just feel, yeah, the world's regulated enough without trying to put a stamp on what you can and can't broadcast. I mean, I totally understand from the perspective of the BBC, for example, they've obviously got rules and regulations and guidelines. And because they're state-funded, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the wide rest of commercial radio have to toe the line within that remit of, 
of what's okay and what's not. And that's, you know, I think that's really when I fell in love with podcasting. And I, I started a podcast with BBC Six Music called the Daily Music News Download from um, the BBC. And that was invented right at the same time, shortly after podcasting actually even became a thing. Um, and we launched it predominantly through Twitter. And that's Twitter had only really just come on the scene in the last few years. And it, it just exploded. We had hundreds of thousands of listeners very quickly just from sticking it on Twitter, which is just quite quite unbelievable. You wouldn't obviously be able to do that now because obviously, you know, um, I think that the, the scene is oversaturated and so is social media. But I think back then it was an incredibly powerful platform to support, you know, the growth of that project. And it was it was really exciting. It was really, really exciting back in what, 2005. Yeah, I love podcasts. And one of the things I, I like about podcasting and yours is, is just like this, is if when you've got a guest or there's something going on, you can go as long or as short as you want. And the problem with radio, Ofcom problems aside, because you have news at the top of the hour and you have commercials at 20, 25, you know, all these places in the clock, sometimes radio and they'd have to admit it, sometimes things that haven't got the legs get stretched out because you need to get to the next junction. And sometimes things that could go on much longer are cut short because, you know, I can remember being on, uh, uh, I did the breakfast show at BBC Wiltshire, it was an all speech show, and I had a cabinet minister on an ISDN line and I had to cut it short so we could go to traffic and travel. And we went to traffic and travel and nothing was going on. But because that's the format of the clock, you, you know, and podcasting and Reset Rebel is like this. If you want to explore something or go a bit longer on something, you just do it. And if something's run out of legs, you move on. Was radio even, you know, outside the Ofcom nonsense, just regular radio doesn't have that luxury. And it makes for a more natural conversation, particularly in an interview. And I like that about it. So, and, and yours is just like that, which is great. You must find some freedom in that because you're the one actually doing it. Completely. And, um, you know, that is the joy of it. You know, you can cut something short or extend it. But I think just as I said, to be able to obviously not only that, but also choose who you're going to speak to and what you're going to talk to them about and be able to steer that conversation and also edit it to reflect, you know, the points of focus that you really wish to highlight are, you know, nothing short of... Um, yeah, amazing to have that editorial kind of, um, you know, direction and ability to kind of dive a little bit deeper, I think, into to subject areas that maybe people aren't talking about. I've actually just started working with a team in London, uh, a production company, and they are creating the first ever podcast. I hope they don't mind me talking about this because uh, it hasn't launched yet. Um, but um, it's about sickle cell and no one is talking about that. And it is a very minority um, kind of area of conversation. And I feel like, you know, this is why podcasting is important and that's why it's so powerful is to shine a light and give people the platform to have the kind of conversations that, you know, other people aren't, aren't having. And I think that's, you know, and to also share that information um, and findings and, you know, research and knowledge. And, you know, I don't even think anybody reads books anymore. They're all listening to podcasts. The world is so lazy. They'd much rather listen to a book rather than actually read it and study anything. I'm like, if I want the answer to something, I'll always look into, you know, the search bar of the podcasting app rather than actually going on Google. And I'm like, this is a much more interesting and fun way to engage with the subject I want to know more about than sitting for hours on Google reading some crappy old website. So actually, I think it's a very informative medium as well. And, you know, you're always going to get a great story about something to dine out on. 
um, as well, which always, you know, always helped liven things up. Well, your podcast has livened things up. It's called Abitha, The Reset Rebel, and it's hosted by Joe Yule. It's number six this week on the pod 20. At five, Smartless, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett connect people from all walks of life. This week, Bill Maher teaches the team about the finer details in life, like bottle service, gambling and hosting 30 years of television. Number four, Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's Parenting Hell. Parenting, just not as you know it. At three, my favourite murder with Karen Gilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. Karen and Georgia tell each other their favourite tales of murder and hear crime stories from friends and fans. Number two, Crime Junkie. If you can never get enough true crime, congratulations, you've found your people. And at number one... The Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. One of his latest guests is Piers Morgan. I think resilience and mental strength, these are two things that I'm extremely hot about. I think this generation in particular has lost the ability to look at mental strength and resilience and triumph over adversity and being tough in difficult times as badges of honour. They've almost become badges of shame where people feel like it's wrong to have a stiff upper lip, to be strong-minded, to be resilient, to be tough under pressure. And I looked, yesterday I was watching the golf, uh, the Masters, Tiger Woods. Look at Tiger Woods' story. I mean, unbelievable. At 21, he's the greatest golfer that's ever lived, destroying everybody. He has it all. He wins 14 majors. Then he has one of the greatest falls in the history of sport. And it all involves, you know, Vegas mayhem and so on. And his world collapses. Then he has horrific injuries. He becomes number 1,100 in the world. He's finished. There's a whole mashup of clips of people saying he's washed up. He's mm. finished. He'll never win again, whatever. And there's also a video of him watching that mashup just after he wins the 2019 Masters, which no one said he could do again. And again, now he has a horrific car crash, you know, a year ago. And yet here he is competing in the Masters. He's made the cut again. The guy is a freak of nature, but he's a freak of mental strength. And I look at him and I see Rocky Balboa in mentality. And I look at many other sports stars at the moment who think it's fine to quit, to give up, to walk away, to complain all the time, to moan about their lot in life. And I think, how have we come to this? How even in high-level sport has quitting now become something to celebrate. Now, it's a contentious issue, and people say you're mocking mental health when you do this, but I don't think so. I think we treat the whole mental health debate the wrong way. I think we should separate mental health from mental illness. I don't think mental health is an issue to even be debated particularly. We all have mental health, but if you have a mental illness, you need help, you need treatment. Right now, people are, it seems to me, looking at normal life stuff as some form of mental illness. Anxiety is exploding. People saying they're mentally sick. The incidence of that is exploding. How can that be happening when it's all we're talking about 24-7? I think we're going about it the wrong way. And I think what we're losing in this debate is a celebration of 
resilience and mental strength. I really believe that. And I think, I think schools should have more people in there teaching kids how to be tougher about how to deal with normal life stuff. And I'm not talking about people who have clinical depression or suicidal tendencies or any of those things. Those are serious mental illnesses. I'm talking about people who are thinking that normal stuff that's happening in my life, which we all have to go through, grief when you lose a loved one, trouble at work, trouble with relationships, whatever it may be, you've got to learn to be more resilient about these things because that is life. Life, as Rocky Balboa said, is it's not a it's not a bed of roses. Life is tough, you know, and it's not about how many times as Rocky said to his son in the famous scene in the sixth of the franchise, when they're that scene in the street with the spoiled entitled son whining away about everything. And Rocky turns on him finally and says, Look, it's not how many times you can hit, it's how many times you can get hit, get knocked down and get back up and keep moving forward. That is what life's about. And I don't think we spend enough time helping people to be mentally strong and resilient. We're spending too much time encouraging a kind of wallowing in self-pity and weakness. And it's, it is, I'm afraid, it's not working. Piers Morgan who is one of the guests of Stephen Bartlett on the number one podcast this week, The Diary of a CEO. And that's it for episode 150. Thanks to this week's guests, Simon Squibb, The Old Gits and Piers Morgan. Next week, my guest is the broadcaster and podcaster, Ross Williams. In the meantime, you can watch extended video chats with my guests on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And what will happen on the podcast radio chart next week? Will your favourite make it to number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, on Fridays at 5pm and across the weekend on Podcast Radio. And don't forget, you can influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. Faith in the news media has been challenged making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.